Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this past weekend, David and I had the pleasure of taking in the new Wes Anderson film, Asteroid City, together in an AMC theater that was surprisingly packed for a, mm. you know, smaller film on a Friday night. Figured that there would be more people with The Flash or The Transformers, but no, there are a lot of people turning up, a lot of West heads out there that love symmetry and colors that pop off the screen and ridiculous ensemble casts and dead moms. Uh, Come on. So, so yeah, yeah, we all took it in together. We're going to talk about that. We're going to, this is a Wes Anderson episode. We're going to talk about Asteroid City. We're going to talk about some of his other films. And I just really give our thoughts on one of the more well-known filmmakers working right now. I mean, one of the few directors I would say left that, you know, has a really cult style that's easily identifiable and that pretty much everybody, even if you don't know a lot about Wes Anderson, can recognize. So, all that's coming up. Stick around. Let's go. All right, David, you you made a three-hour round trip in order to watch Asteroid City with me, partially because that was the only way you were going to be able to watch the movie in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Because Asteroid City, even though it did open wide for a Wes Anderson movie, was still not showing in very many theaters, none close to you. Um, even some of the Kansas City theaters here did not have show times for it. So we kind of had to hunt for one. But when we did, we found a lot of other people there. David... This movie has been described as maybe the most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. As a person who just recently found his films, I would say about a year ago, what did you think of Asteroid City? Something that always happens with a Wes Anderson movie, one, it's definitely not shallow. Like It's not like uh, you walk out of there and within an hour you're like, okay, I understood and I, I how I feel about the movie has been decided. And I think even right now, I'm still like trying to break down kind of what happened. And I'm still trying to process, you know, what is the, we were talking about this on the way home. Like, what do we think was like the main purpose of that? Like, what does he want us, like, what was he wanting us to take away? So uh, it's, it's a lot to process. Uh, It is. And, and that can be a turnoff for people too. Of uh, It's a lot happens and it may not seem like it all connects, but it kind of does with, because like Wes Anderson likes to do that. So um, Mm yeah. How I feel about it, I enjoyed it. Um, the humor works for me. Um, of course, when you have stars a- as loaded as he does, just every time there's a scene, you you know see a really well done Scarlett Johansson, or you see uh, Steve Carell being his usual self. You know, like every single scene, it's like, oh, that was really really good. You know, I love this a- actor, or I love this actress, and uh, and I feel like which this can determine a good or a bad movie, but I feel like Wes Anderson used the actors and actresses like strengths the best way he could have. Like I didn't necessarily feel like maybe Steve Carell a little bit, but I didn't necessarily feel like, Oh, that's just not the actor or actress. Why did he try to use them in a different way? Like he kind of used them to their strengths Mm -hmm. and um, we'll get into this, but specifically Scott Johansson and Jason Schwartzman um, both kind of felt like the, the two leads of this, of this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought they both did a very good job. Very, very good job. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, this, first of all, this is just, I think maybe the quintessential Wes Anderson film in, in terms of just bringing together all the pieces of, of his other filmographies in, into one kind of unified vision. First, it's a genre movie, which Wes actually loves to do. He loves to make genre movies set in the American West. He also loves examinations of previous times in America or other countries. Uh, Wes is a guy who loves to set movies in the past. Uh, he's not really a, a filmmaker concerned about the present as much. Um, and also, it, it's got all the style, right? It, the Wes Anderson style is yeah. incredibly recognizable, so much so that it's become an internet trend, which Wes has commented on, saying that mm -hmm. he doesn't really like the fact that the, his style is trending because, honestly, the people that are doing it, while they think they're doing a good job, and I'm sure they are with an iPhone, they're not even close to what he's doing. And mm -hmm. in, in terms of, you know, one of his kind of quirks is that he always has to have perfect symmetry in his shots, but the the characters standing in the foreground directly addressing the camera cut to the character standing a little bit further away like there's specific editing styles um and, and i just think this fits all of that it's got a huge ensemble cast you you've already yeah. mentioned scarlett johansson jason schwartzman who has been his most frequent collaborator and it also has just a lot of other uh people in this film tom hanks is among the most notable i mean mm -hmm. you just you can go on down the list Lee yeah. Schreiber is in this and it, you just continue to see actors um, who clearly just want to work with him. I, mm -hmm. I think he's one of the few filmmakers left where it's very obvious also that he's just an actor's filmmaker. Um, these people are not signing on for money. The budget for Asteroid City is $25 million. Um, so they're not cutting huge paychecks to any of these actors. Mm -hmm. They sign on because Wes is known for one, for trying to get great, having great scripts. So they're going to get to say some fun dialogue. They're also going to get to have a tight schedule. He normally shoots in like six weeks or so, um, something like that. So actors aren't on set near as long. So they can do this and then go do other projects. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed Asteroid City. Um, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to though i was going yeah. into it being like here comes peak wes anderson uh certain parts of it felt very familiar like like talked about the dead mother thing that that seems to be kind of a theme in his movies running all the way back to royal tenenbaums uh and rushmore and then you also have you know the young love thing that was like kind of from moonrise kingdom i just thought certain aspects like that were better done in those films so for mm -hmm. me it didn't work as well like the the young love portion of this where it's the the two outcasts um who are a little bit weirder very highly intelligent um very precocious and, and find each other is something that happens in moonrise kingdom which is maybe my favorite wes anderson movie we'll get to that later it just didn't work as well for me, but I still yeah. I still enjoyed this film. Yeah, I'll hear your thoughts on this too. I feel like the first and third act were really strong, and it kind of what you mentioned to me after the movie. The second act, it maybe we slowed down a little bit, and mm -hmm. maybe uh, I think you mentioned you didn't. I don't know if you said the move, the word bored, but maybe you kind of found yourself drifting a little bit in that second act, mm -hmm. kind of in the middle. Um, but mm -hmm. besides that, like the first, yeah, first and third act specifically, I thought were really strong. And I, I honestly love the first act because it's like, thankfully, which many directors and studios aren't doing this, unfortunately, but he didn't reveal a lot in the trailer. We really didn't know what was going on. Um, 
And man, that whole first act, you're just like, okay, what is this world that he's putting us in? And what are these characters mm-hmm. and what's happening? So that was, I thought first act was really strong. Um, and then of course the third act's why I'm still processing. Cause you're like, what in the world is happening? You know, what is right, happening right now? What he means. Yeah. But uh, I like the, I like the nesting doll style. That's what I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Um, the West likes to do this. He does this in the Grand Budapest Hotel as well, where it's a story of it's it's like somebody reading a book about another person's perspective, telling a story about something that they saw during World mm-hmm. War Two. And this this movie, it, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but Asteroid City is a TV production about the play that is being how a play is developed from a famous American playwright. And also in that play, like you see the actors, not only as actors acting out the play, but then actually become their characters as well, which is everything that's not the actual play of Asteroid City is black and white. Do you find that style confusing? Do you find it kind of a crutch that Wes uses in order to maybe have these more fantastical elements because he's kind of saying, look, this isn't actually real. And here's the narration that I can use to explain what I'm trying to do. Or do you enjoy that? Cause personally for me, I love when he does that. I love when he mm-hmm. puts a story inside of a story. Cause I think it allows for more creativity on his part. Yeah. Um, I think I'd see it more of a crutch is if he did it more, but besides this in grand Budapest, has he done that much? Um, there's sections of movies that he does. I also, the French dispatch is, uh, I guess you could say it's kind of that sort of scenario because it's about, um, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, it's about the same sort of thing, like a television program about the last issue of this newspaper. And then you jump inside each of the stories in the last issue of this newspaper. So Mm -hmm. he does it there as well. Um, and I, 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 trying to remember there like he does this in other parts of his movies like even in isle of dogs there's a portion where they go off and like they explain something through a television broadcast about everything yeah. that happened okay. it's a lot of exposition he does this a lot um but i i don't know i don't know why i think i just enjoy it when he does it because most of the time when someone delivers exposition that way like the the worst example is you know character turns on tv and suddenly the massive like important news event that everybody needs to know about is on their television speaking to all of the things that the character needs to know right to Mm -hmm. them i hate that but i enjoy it when Wes does it well i think it's because he does it well i think he does it and it's crisp it's clean it's his style and he does it in good enough way that i think we're okay with it and um yeah, uh, I think I could see how people could see that. Like that's you know a crutch, a way to explain um, a way for this. Uh, maybe, well, I I don't know if you'd heard this. Did you know? Because I, I listened to a podcast and going into it, I knew that black and white, what 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 was, and I knew that the color was the actual TV. Did you know going into it that that would be like that? And if you didn't, how like long did it take for you to kind of understand that? Um, I would say it was pretty instantaneous. Um, whenever they talked the, the opening narration from Brian Cranston, um, he is the host of the television program that is Mm. explaining this sort of like almost a 60 minutes esque story, but not really about the writing of this play. I think I knew within like 20 seconds, I was like, okay, here we go. 
So like this yeah. is going to be a like a larger like survey view of Asteroid City before we get down into it, and this yeah. isn't actually the story of something that's really happened, but the story of a story. Um, yeah, and that might also ju- I've seen every Wes Anderson film, uh, and many of them multiple times. So I was just like expecting him to do something weird, yeah. but I, I yeah. do wonder if like. I don't know what your experience would be like if this was your first Wes Anderson movie. Like, if you just <laughs> walked into this not knowing anything, you're like, oh, I, I, I like Scarlet Dragon, well, Tom Hanks, and let me see. I mean, honestly, I, I probably could explain that experience a little bit. My first Wes Anderson movie was The French Dispatch, which oh, might be the right. second the second most Wes Anderson movie. And I was just like, dude, what what is happening? Why is there an animated scene now? Like, I was like, what is happening? And, and so that's... Again, I want to rewatch that now that I actually understand mm-hmm. his directing style. But um, mm-hmm. it's kind of overwhelming. You're like, I'm lost. <laughs> You're lost, I think, is pretty much what it is. You're like, I don't know what's happening right, right now. Right. And we also had a conversation about this um, as well. I don't remember if it was before we watched the movie or afterwards. But, like, you have to almost be in a certain mood to watch a Wes yeah. Anderson movie. Yeah. I, I, I love Wes Anderson movies. I, I genuinely do. I think they're great Um I think they're some of my favorite films are Wes Anderson films, but they're just not like turn your brain off ones. And you can't Mm -hmm. just casually sit there. Wes Anderson movies are also ones where I'm not normally a subtitle guy. I've become one a little bit more as I don't know, shows figure out less and less how to do sound mixing. It seems because the dialogue is so quiet. Just admit you can't hear the volume over the, the pretzels that you're eating. It's okay. It happens. It's fine. Yeah. Sometimes I'm jumping <laughs> away and I can't hear it as well. But like for Wes, I always have the dialogue on because I feel like I catch the jokes are coming so fast and yeah. the references are coming so fast that I, I have to, in order to, to just understand kind of what's going on. And mm-hmm. so I think that part probably plays a little bit. And Asteroid City is no exception. Uh, my favorite part of the film, maybe, or one of my favorite parts was when Steve Carell's character, the uh, motel owner, was explaining how you could buy plots of land through the vending machine and, like, what the plot of land becomes and how With much... With $10 of quarters and, yeah. Yeah, and he was talking so fast that I was like, ah, but I also thought yeah. it was hilarious. And yeah. I'd imagine if you walk into the first time, you're just going to be like, what is how? Why is everybody talking like this? What's going on? Well, I think that's could be perceived as a negative kind of trait of his is not only with the quick dialogue, but with references and jokes. I mean, Wes is so detail oriented in his films that if you blink, you could miss a reference. You could miss something in the background. Do you think that that could be also a negative, like why people are like, I mean, I don't get that reference. This is going too fast. Mm -hmm. I missed that joke. Mm -hmm. I missed, you know, you think that could be perceived as negative or you think that is just the director doing what he's good at and the audience I don't want to say not be lazy, but be be ready for that. You know what I mean? Well, I think, yeah, I think that if, you, if you're not accustomed to or not a fan of that kind of uh, breakneck pace banter, a style that Wes has, that other filmmakers do, uh, the most famous example possibly is any Aaron Sorkin script, quite frankly. I mean, if you think about like The Social Network, it's the same sort of thing. Or if you've ever watched an episode of The West Wing, they're making Gilbert and Sullivan references. I don't even know what Gilbert and Sullivan is. Apparently it's something that's very important to Aaron Sorkin. And so they reference it all the time and people are just having conversations as fast as possible. I love when movies do that. I love when people talk fast in movies because it, it just seems 
more fun and more cool. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I could have conversations at 2.5 times speed because it's, it's <laughs> I don't know. It just seems efficient. Um, Bro, imagine watching this movie at one and a half times. You yeah, just, you, you be, couldn't I, do it. <laughs> you, you lose your mind. And I like that. But I think that there's also other filmmakers have that too. One of the things that I'm thinking about is, um, well, Tarantino does this with like pop culture conversations about like famous things from the 70s, late 70s, early 80s that I don't understand. Um, but there's a lot of references to things like that in his movies, mm-hmm. especially like Pulp Fiction and and the needle drops and stuff. Everybody has their style. Everybody has their kind of thing that they're interested in. And I think Wes is just the same way, except what he's interested in is like political figures from the 1950s and the New Yorker and um, fashion and like the, these obscure facts that a lot, a lot of people know in the history of theater in the United States and the American mm-hmm. West and, and these, but not like the big, like important tentpole ideas. Like uh, I can quote manifest destiny to you all day long. I, I attended a history class in freshman year of high school, but mm-hmm. these like smaller, more sig- like significant to West events, I don't know about, but he does because he cares about this and he's mm-hmm. going to keep making those references. But then there's also obvious jokes. Like they're out in the middle of the desert and, there is a mushroom cloud behind them because it's the 1950s. So obviously the U S is testing nukes, which you leaned over to me as soon as you saw the first mushroom cloud. We were like, apparently Oppenheimer and Asteroid city were filmed next to each other. <laughs> I thought it was, that was, that was a very good joke. And I laughed out loud at that. And luckily there was also a joke on screen at that time. So I didn't do the, uh, ruining the movie for everybody else by laughing at something David said. Um, but I, I just think that there that he just has those references, and I'm sure I would actually probably like Wes Anderson movies more if I was interested in the same things he's interested in. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. for the most part. Uh, I, I read The New Yorker very sporadically, and mm-hmm. I, I don't really care about men's fashion, and I'm not interested in like French cuisine, and you know some of these things that pop up frequently in his movies. I don't I don't care about, but I still like his movies, so I don't think it's necessarily mm-hmm. a barrier. But I'm sure it would enhance my experience more if I was interested in those yeah. things. Nathan, this has been out since Friday. Um, well, so it's weird. It it went wide this past weekend, um, but it was it actually was in some theaters in New York and Los Angeles and a couple of other places um, uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. But it hasn't been out for very long, and it ha- its wide release started this past weekend. Got you. So. And so this will this might change uh, based on some of his other grossing movies, though it won't come close to some of them. Uh, this since 1998 Rushmore, it's the lowest uh, this movie has done. As you mentioned, the t- budget was 25 million. Uh, it's grossed 19.2 million worldwide right now. Is that? I don't know what what are our what are our thoughts since Grand Budapest, which Grand Budapest was the most he's ever had. At 2014, it grossed 174 million, uh, pretty widely renowned. Yeah, that um, was a hit hit. Isle of Dogs 64 dropped uh, more than half, and then French Dispatch drops to 46. You think this is a trend, or you think that's just the type of movie? Are people kind of getting, I don't know, tired of his style? I don't know. Or you think it's nothing to really worry about? Well, I think first, Wes, you could say, and this is a this is something that people say about a lot of filmmakers, 
But Wes Anderson, even more so than many, just doesn't make films that are going to make money at the box office. That's just mm-hmm. not not what he does. They're uh, so I unique. A little bit about yeah, yeah. They're they're so unique. They're so they're not made to make money. Like he's just not doing that. And there's other filmmakers that do, and they make very successful and great films. James Cameron, for example, is a filmmaker who makes films I love, but he makes them to make money. Mm-hmm. Avatar Two was made to make money. Terminator Two was made to make money. Aliens was made to make money. Like all of these are movies that he wanted to and knew that there would be a huge audience for. And Wes Anderson yeah. is just not that way. Despite it, it's one of those weird situations um, where I'm trying to think if there's like a musical artist I could compare this to. They're so well known, but not very many people actually listen to their music. You know what I'm talking about? Like you would know the style uh, easily, but you don't really you don't really hear a lot of people actually listening to this person. And I think Wes Anderson might be the same way. It's just like, he's well-known. I mean, uh, my parents who are not big movie fans know Wes Anderson. They knew who I was talking about and the kind of movies that I was talking about when I said I was going to see a Wes Anderson movie mm-hmm. in theaters, but they, they're, they're not going to go out and see it. Um, and so he makes less money, but, Actually, $19 million for one weekend of wide releases is, is very good for him. And I think that there was evidence by... I, I mean, were you shocked by how many people were in our screening on Friday? I've been thinking about that. I think yes, but no. I, I want to talk about why there were a lack of showings in across the country. Because, in, tell me if you, if you disagree, besides PTA and Fincher... I think Wes is the most renowned American director right now. The most successful has done the most right now. And I could be forgetting. I, I, throw, I throw Tarantino in there too. And so like, it, it just is interesting to me in his, his 11th film, man, it's like, yeah, I council bluffs two hours away or you an hour and 40 minutes away. I'm like, I'm just like, I wonder why there was such a lack of showings, you know, across country and even some pretty big theaters and i don't know maybe he didn't advertise as much didn't do as much with that i don't know kind of where that lands as far as it's the studio or the director or what but i was just really surprised by that yeah i'm not 100 percent sure um i think i think it's what we're talking about it's like he's well known but he's just not making movies for everyone it's mm-hmm. it's the it's that kind of conversation we have with the Oscars all the time. Uh, like, think about how many people know and love Kate Blanchett. Like, know her well. She's been in a lot of very, very famous films, right? The Lord of the Rings trilogy. She was in an Ocean's 8 remake. She's won two Academy Awards for acting. She's, she's very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Was there any way you were going to be able to see Tar in theaters? No. And you, I'm assuming, like me, had seen trailers for Tar in front of a lot of the movies that you did see in theaters last year. Mm-hmm. And there just wasn't any way. I got lucky. Yeah. I went to one of the first showings of Tar that they had in Cape Girardeau. But that was it. Like, I, I was the only person in that theater. I was literally alone watching that film. There was not a single soul in the theater besides me. That's probably kind of nice, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. I loved <laughs> it. I was kind of hoping for that when I went to a movie at 10 a.m. today because I was off today and I there were actually four other people in the theater and I was a little disappointed. 
Um, but it's the same sort of thing where like everybody knows about this person, but they're not going to see this film because it's just not that big. I think Mm -hmm. Asteroid City is just the same thing. And Wes Anderson is the same thing. And I, I I don't know that he cares. And if he doesn't care, I don't care. You know, like if he's, if he's fine with it, I'm fine with it. And he's going to have a short film released to Netflix later this year. That'll probably be top 10 on Netflix for a couple of days. And people are going to talk about Wes Anderson, but they're just not, you know, there's not going to be a lot of discussion. I feel like after the fact, and he's not going to be mentioned you know, whenever people talk about huge hits of the year, nobody's going to talk about, oh, Asteroid City, when it came out this past summer, was yeah. big. Because Barbie and Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 are going to swallow it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's fine. And I think well, I think he makes movies, he wants to release movies in theaters, which I love. Yeah. I love that he still cares about putting movies in theaters and doesn't want something to go direct to streaming. And if he's good with that, then I'm good with that. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't think yeah. it matters. Well, and the quality might be drastically different, but Indiana Jones is about to release and it's probably going to swallow Asteroid City up just because, I mean, everyone knows Indiana Jones. And and that movie's know. supposed to flop and it's going to make $65 million opening oh. weekend and it's going to yeah. flop. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but it's going to make three times the budget of this film. Yeah. We kind of got away from Asteroid City, didn't we? Yeah, a little bit. Let's let's get back. Let's let's. Yeah. Good discussion, though. Did, really good discussion. Yeah, we already kind of did our our reviews for it. Um, I don't, David, why don't you just give me a rating? Why don't you just give me an asteroid city rating? Uh, right now, I think I like it here too. Um, looking at my other movies of his, I have it at a four out of five. Okay. Um, I, and I can even. I, right now, I have it as my fourth in that in the Wes Anderson ranking. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. But remember, a couple that I haven't seen are considered some of his best. So that could be also why you reacted like that too. You know. So yeah, yeah. I think there's um, one. There's one that you haven't seen that I would say is easily in most people's top three. And that's kind of what I've heard. Yeah, I, I looked it up when I. Listen to a podcast and they mentioned it not available so i'm considering do i just rent it um i'm my own man i'm my own man now so you know just send it or do i wait for it to come out on presumably probably hbo max i don't know um yeah i can't i can't answer that for you unfortunately um <laughs> i would rent it but the, i'm saying that as a person who doesn't have to because i've already seen it uh, yeah so. sure but no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the color. I thought was the lighting was beautiful. I love the performances. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned, that kind of that second act a little slower, and of course, it's just jam packed. It's a lot to process. Got to be in a certain mood. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just com- compared to the ones above it, I think I'm pretty comfortable in not rating it higher. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I have it. I have it at a three and a half. Um, it's good. I liked it. But Wes doesn't have a bad movie for me. Even if the film I think is least successful is Bottle Rocket, um, and it's it, that was his first ever movie. Stars Owen Wilson. It's like a heist film, kind of. But you know, it's Wes Henderson, so it's of course mm-hmm. not just straight up that. 
Uh, and I enjoy it, but it's just like you can tell he's still trying to hone his style and he doesn't have the money yet behind him to do it. Mm-hmm. Asteroid City for me was was good. It was an enjoyable experience. It's a movie that I do not regret going to see in the theaters at all. I, I had a good time with it, but it, it doesn't reach some of the heights as his other films, which is fine because you can't mm-hmm. always make your best film every time out. That's, that's not possible. Yeah. Uh, David, what is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? Pretty confidently, I think Grand Budapest is my favorite. Um, and kind of two answers. I think it's my favorite, and I, I think it's his best. Um, you talked about that kind of that, that storytelling technique of like, I thought it was just so cool of like, he's someone is listening to someone read a book about someone tell a story like there's just so many little like rabbit trails. I thought that was so cool. And then the way he ends it where he like, I don't know why I'm connecting it like this, but I think of inception, like he pulls you out of each like layer and then back to mm-hmm. kind of present day reality. I was like, that's such a cool way of selling that. And then Ray Fiennes was just an all out s- stellar performance and yeah, the Ray music. Great. Um, you know, I might disagree, but music, the, the score, it, it won an Oscar and it was very good. Um, and then just a lot of other good performances. So I think Grand Budapest, I- I'm pretty comfortable in this decision, is my favorite film of his. Mm, okay. Uh, that's number two for me right now. My number one is still, it's going to be Moonrise Kingdom. Um, mm. It's a coming-of-age film, which I just love. I love those at all points in times. The humor is so great. Uh, as well, I think one of the funniest lines, or the funniest sequences in a movie I've ever seen was that the fight, that they have with the like scouts where they kit they Lucas Hedges gets stabbed with the scissors. Mm-hmm. I love the whole scout thing too. I love Edward Norton, a frequent collaborator of Wes, who's also in this film. Um, but also the the just the weird young, like awkward young love thing that they have going on where their introduction is like, What kind of bird are you? Like, <laughs> Me? I'm a no, 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 no. What kind of bird are you? It's like it would that's a pickup line that works in that movie. Yeah. I don't, it's just it's hilarious. Yeah. And I think it gets the best performances. Um and it's like it's it's melancholy West, which I think is probably his best whenever he's got like a tinge of sadness in there. Mm. Um and this is gonna sound like a negative. I think this is the one where he cares about visuals, but not as much. You know, mm. he's more focused on getting the wilderness and less focused on kind of the the manicured um you know set pieces that he has in other films like asteroid city which isn't mm-hmm. a bad thing it's just yeah. something i think i enjoyed more in that movie um so yeah i don't i don't know i thought it was pretty good yeah well it's crazy you talk about you don't think west has a bad movie for me his lowest rated movie is a 3.8 out of 5 dart the dart darling unlimited which is just darjeeling yeah Oh yeah, I completely misread that, uh, and I, that's a three and a half on me out of five. So like, it's yeah, I don't think he's had a bad movie, and you know, you, you mentioned Bottle Rocket being your least favorite, but mm-hmm. it's it's weird to me that I I they're such opposite filmmakers and like the tone of film, but the way that like Tarantino and and Wes fit together for me, it's it's like the same thing. They don't. They don't make movies all the time. They don't make huge box office successes. Although I think Tarantino is it much makes much more money. His his films are just more accessible to wider audiences than Wes. 
but neither one of them has a bad film. Like even the least favorite of theirs, I would turn it on and watch it again. Like I would rewatch mm-hmm. that movie. And they've only made, I, Tarantino is technically going to be at 10, although he'll be at 11 um, because Kill Bill was released in two volumes. And Wes is at 11 feature length films right now. And they both have their unique styles and they're not interested in really going outside of that. And they're not, they're going to write and direct all of their stuff, which I also mm-hmm. very much enjoy. Um, that their visions are always singular. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that they're linked in my brain because they're definitely, like, if you watched a Wes Anderson movie and a Tarantino movie back-to-back, it'd be a little bit of a, just, like, a culture shock. Yeah, you'd be like, what? Yeah, like, imagine just sitting down and being like, ah, fantastic Mr. Fox, like, that was interesting. And now I'm going to watch Death Proof. That's, like, (laughs) that's just a lot. But, you know, they they are very similar in that way. So... David, one last question before we end this podcast. Uh, Wes has a lot of ensemble, huge cast. So he's got a lot of actors in his troupe that regularly work with him. Do you Is there an actor that you can think of off the top of your head right now that hasn't appeared in a Wes Anderson film yet that you think would really fit the style that he goes for? Someone who has not appeared... But feels like they would be a good one. It feels like they would be a good fit. I'll just say the first one that came to mind. For some reason, Robert Downey Jr. He kind of yeah. has that like quirky, fast talking, like style about him. I feel like he might kind of fit into a Wes Anderson movie. Um, I don't yeah, know. I think I, so. And he's like Wes always has this like kind of it's Ed Norton's character in this film and even Adrian Brody's as well like the smarmy genius who's like lovable but also like ridiculous and a little bit annoying at the mm-hmm. same time. I think Robert Downey Jr. would be great in one of those. For Wes yeah, film. I like that. Pick. What about you? You you got anybody? I was thinking about a couple. This one is uh, I had it just just randomly came to me after actually seeing her in a trailer and another for another film. And that's Zendaya. Uh, and I was, it sounds a little weird um, off the cuff, but I think that Zendaya's like sense of humor and her kind of sly, like witty delivery where she she's not reacting to the jokes that she's saying. Um, like Zendaya kind of oozes this like, I don't know, cool bravado uh, with her sense of humor where every time she says something, she knows it's a good line, but she's not going to say anything about it. Like she'll never laugh at her own joke. Hmm. Uh, and I, 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 I think that she would just be really good with West dialogue. Like, I, I think that she would just deliver it really well. And especially yeah. the, the, the jokes, but also Zendaya is excellent, excellent. It, um, portraying like these melancholic actors, like the, the, the downtrodden, sad characters who've been through a lot. She does that in the Spider-Man film. She does that in euphoria, you know, she, she mm. does that in Dune to a certain extent. And so I think that she's so good at that that she would actually be excellent in the kinds of movies that Wes Anderson makes. Mm. I like that. You can't say Florence Pugh. Hey, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I think Florence would do fine, but I don't think that's her style. Yeah, we just haven't seen that style. So I feel like we don't really even really know. Like she's yeah. not been asked to do this kind of you know, style of acting. 
I mean, we we all know my opinions on Florence Pugh. They're they're very well well stated to the public. She does have a lot of range. I mean, she did Midsommar. She did Little Women. Um, she's made like basic studio action films like Black Widow. And so I'm sure she could figure it out, but I don't know if it would be the best fit for her. Yeah. Yeah. Question. I'm just, just thought of this and I, it might be interesting, you know, interesting topic of discussion, not just American, just anybody right now in the last decade, where does Wes Anderson sit in the, you know, director's, I, it doesn't necessarily have to be like an exact number, but like, is he a top five director in the last 10 decade in the world? Top 10, top 15, 11 films. Sheesh. Won a couple I Oscars. Think... Gosh, you're really, ah, oh, this is on the spot. Cause the decade would include Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I Cause think about it. We got the, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was like, we got Tarantino. We got Christopher Nolan, James Cameron, PTA, David Fincher. Um, I, I think you have to put Bong Joon-ho and Jordan Peele in there if we're talking last decade. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Anybody else kind of in that bubble? I'm just trying to think. If Barbie's a hit, Gerwig. I mean, seriously. If well, Lady Bird, Little Women, Barbie, Lady, that would be yeah. like a pretty, pretty amazing triple threat in the last mm-hmm. decade. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're forgetting someone, and I'm gonna feel like an idiot. Whenever James Wan. I love James Wan. No, <laughs> like <laughs> what James Wan is doing, horror, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think I, he cracks five, or is he? It's just a lot of talent that it's just really it's tough. Weird because I think he, I think he, he probably does just because he's still so great. But like his best stuff is not. You know, it's it's it hasn't come out in this that last decade. I think mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I think he would just be missing the mark there. Um, I don't know. It'd be like saying like Scorsese from like ninety five on. You're like, yeah, man, Martin Scorsese from nineteen ninety five on is one of the ten best directors on the planet. Like that, that's true. But like his earlier stuff is better, and mm-hmm. so I think that that's probably the case for Wes. Like, I don't think Wes is peaking right now. Yeah. For reference, you're probably mentioning, you're mentioning Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums as those are two are kind of as acclaimed as maybe his two best movies. Yeah. Um, And he did go through a little bit of a dark period, like the Darjeeling limited and, and a lot of people didn't like that film. Um, And so after that, he faced a lot of criticism and was like kind of pivoting and did the stop motion thing for a while and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I, I do just think, you know, just like, I don't think, I think PTA, you wouldn't take the last decade either. Like I like Phantom Thread and Licorice Pizza, but are you taking it over the decade in which he had There Will Be Blood? Like, I don't no, cause you know. No, that movie alone kind of just takes care of those two you just mentioned previously, just because it's so good. Yeah. Right. And I think you could do, you could That's tough, do, yeah. You could do the same thing for Nolan. Like, if we're measuring 10-year spans, I would say, yes, maybe Wes Anderson is at the top, but is he at the top of his game? Because hmm. a, a person like Jordan Peele, I think, is is at the top of their game right now. And that's not to say that Wes Anderson is, like, on the downturn, but his best movies haven't necessarily been released in that period that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, and it's tough too. Think about sports. Think about anything. It's valued. The success is value, valued on like how much money it made or how many awards it won. Well, and if you're a director who isn't 
gunning for Academy Awards and $300 million box offices. It's maybe not fair to you, but you do it to yourself. Maybe it's like, how do you judge the success of that director if that's not what they're trying to get, you know? So, and there's, there's, there's directors that I don't know about that aren't getting nominated for anything that are probably just absolutely killing it, but they're not named brand. I mean, and there's some that are, that you think like you could argue Guillermo del Toro has had one of the best last decades ever. I mean, He's won two yeah. like nominations for directing. He's got an Oscar for for Shape of Water. He was nominated again for Nightmare Alley. He won again for Pinocchio, which was like his passion project for a long time. Like Guillermo is sitting sitting very high and mighty. PTA has never won an Oscar. PTA hasn't even oh that's crazy has often been hasn't even been nominated for Oscars. He should have been nominated for. So you know, and and so I think. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's so maybe that was rhetorical because maybe there really isn't an answer to that, you know. But I think I think the point that you were making by asking that question is that like Wes is still just one of the greatest living directors that we have, and mm-hmm. that is apparent. And he also just loves to work. He just loves yeah. to crank out films. You know, he's, he's he's making he's got two releases this year. He's we're already been told he's working on another one. Um, so yeah, I heard that. I heard like as this was wrapping, he was already like. In he's another country, beginning, else. you know, his his, his next film. Beginning so. to storyboard is that, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's going to keep working. He works all the time. Well, and, you know, we could talk probably all day. I think fi- my final point of, like, my appreciation for Wes Anderson is how it's different. He's not a copy and paste. Oh, here's another action movie. Oh, here's another rom-com. Like, mm-hmm. I think he found his niche in that. that are, I, is there another director that does this type of framing and this type of storytelling and this fast-paced Right. All this combination of things, like I think he found it in that no one else does this and he can be unique in that and he's taken off with that. So I do appreciate that. Anybody that has even tangential knowledge about Wes Anderson, you could plop them down in front of a movie, not tell them who made it. Within five minutes, they'd know it's a Wes Anderson movie. If you've yeah. seen even one, you'd be like, yep, mm-hmm. that's his. For for better or for worse, I mean, if you don't like that style, it's for worse. But for both of us, we like it. So it's for better. Yeah. But he's he's his movies are his yeah. and nobody else is able to do them. Also another factor, if either Owen Wilson or Bill Murray or Jason Schwartzman are in the movie, you can probably guess it's going to be. Yeah. A- a bit, yeah. yeah. Jeez. Hey, yeah. hey, real quick. What, what movie, what Wes Anderson, what actor makes it feel like more of a Wes Anderson movie? If that question made any sense. Uh, I just don't, what, what else am I seeing Jason Schwartzman in? That's kind of what I was thinking. Like I've not seen like, him. In, I probably I, have, yeah. but. Has he been I mean, in a movie I mean, outside of West? He's definitely been in other movies, but he is like Wes Anderson's guy. The Wilson mm-hmm. brothers were the same to that extent, but now I think of Owen Wilson. I kind of think of Cars first, unfortunately, <laughs> for him yeah, and for yeah. me because I don't freaking like Cars. And so I, but and Bill Murray is also a frequent Wes Anderson guy, but Bill Murray is just Bill Murray at this point. Like it's, it's yeah. just kind of like. He's in everything. He's also in Sofia Coppola movies all the time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, Jason Schwartzman, like anytime I see Jason Schwartzman, I think of Wes Anderson and yeah. vice versa, honestly. He's not looking at his film. He's not in really that many big budget movies outside of Wes, although he is, looks like he's in Beyond the Spider-Verse, this third installment of Spider-Man. So that'll be. Well, he's in the second. He's the spot. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's right. He's the spot. Um, but yeah, Bill Murray was the only one I ever thought of. Like 
when I am watching a Wes Anderson movie and I see Bill Murray, I'm like, okay, this feels like a Wes Anderson movie, even though he's established himself outside of of that. It just mm-hmm. feels right. So Jeffrey Wright's kind of getting there too. Jeffrey Wright is in mm-hmm. a lot of Wes Anderson stuff. Um, yeah. And he he's also got a really unique voice. I mean, obviously he was also in the Batman too. I just think, yeah, Schwartzman is just like, whenever I see Jason Schwartzman, I'm like, oh, Wes Anderson. Like, if I see him in a trailer, I'm going to be like, this isn't a Wes Anderson movie. Jason, what are you doing? Like, yeah. It's not. It's, I'm going to be confused. So. Well, it was weird with this one. Bill Murray, I, I, I'm on Wikipedia. Bill Murray wasn't in the very first Wes Anderson movie, but he's been in every single one since. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't in Bottle Rocket and every I single believe. one since, except for Asteroid City. I was like, oh, I, that's kind of weird. I believe Bill Murray is the godfather to one of Wes Anderson's children. I, I believe that's true. Wow. So, so they're pretty close. That, Very close. That shows you, yeah, that shows you how much they like each other. So that's anyway, cool. we, we got into Wes Anderson sort of family genealogy at the end. Ayo. But is he Irish? You know, it's, mm, he's got to be French. Mm. How do I Google this without just being problematic? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you can you can Google just in the podcast before you say the problematic thing. I think is the important part. Genealogy that feels like a good. Just uh, yeah, I don't. David, just in the podcast, just do the outro. He's English, Swedish, and Norwegian. Oh, man, well, ancestry. He's I, yeah. I was for huh. sure he was going to be French. It's okay. I'm disappointed, it's okay. but it's fine. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. But, uh, yep, this has been a fully Wes Anderson pod. And as Nathan mentioned earlier, we'll probably do one again this year when his sort comes out on Netflix. And we might be doing a Wes Anderson movie ranking, which will be – those are always fun. Rankings are always fun to do. Uh, Especially so definitely, give David time to finish the filmography. True. I, that's actually a good goal to hit. I need to finish it before that happens. Um, Only got three to go. You'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, check out Asteroid City. Worth the watch. Just if you can be ready. It. Be ready. Be ready. Uh, this has been What Do You Want to Watch, though. Nathan and David chatting up about movies. And uh, appreciate you all for listening. We'll uh, talk to you later. Bye.